0: Off oh, the Ball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of
1: all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say like... I'm the
0: Djokovic of this scenario.
1: <laughs> I love it. Love it.
2: Download the OTV Sports app now.
1: The News Round on Off the Ball. With Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This
2: is News Talk.
3: You're welcome along. Monday evening's Off the bull. There are countless acts of bravery on show in Ukraine just now, including the four... Greatest boxers uh, potentially in the country's history who've taken up arms. We're going to chat to Gareth A. Davies about Alexander Yusik, Vasyl Lomachenko and the Klitschko brothers who are doing what so many Ukrainians are doing at the moment in quite extraordinary fashion. That's on the way, half past seven. Meanwhile, Jerry Thornley and Fiona Hayes on Monday Night Rugby where, frankly, the vagaries of rugby union laws Had everyone scratching their heads yesterday afternoon. Plus, Pat Nevin on the football show. FIFA and UEFA have cut ties with the Russian international team and all Russian club teams. Abramovich has done, we're not exactly sure what, with Chelsea and Cuevin Keller most certainly stole the show. There's a lot going on. 53106. The text number we're at off the ball on Twitter. Richard McCormick, evening. Even, Joe. And Adrian Barry. Good evening. Hello.
2: Hey Joe. Richie.
3: So lots going on, Adrian. Gareth A. Davies with us this hour just to chat a bit about Alexander Yusek, Vasil Lomachenko and the Klitschko brothers who, like so many, have taken up arms in Ukraine and travelled from abroad, in the case of Yusik and Lomachenko, to take up arms. And uh, really, it's not to beatify uh, those four men in particular, but they do serve as a way of personifying this phenomenon that we're all seeing. And it's the most uh, striking thing to watch uh, men and women make the journey back to Ukraine to take up resistance. When, frankly, I'm not sure I'd have that bravery. I don't suspect lots of us uh, would. So we're going to chat to Gareth A. Davies about that at half past seven. And it is the most uh, extraordinary thing.
2: It's unthinkable, Joe. Like I mean you've just said there yourself. Um, you're not sure you'd take you you would take that step. It's uh, it is it is actually it's just impossible to comprehend what sort of a position you would be in like we knew of the desperate times we had here when COVID broke out a couple of years ago and like we were having to reimagine the way we lived life not even in the halfpenny place compared to what the people in Ukraine are dealing with at the minute and I heard an interview with it was she was a um, Ukraine MP over the weekend and she was talking about how uh, three days previous, if you had asked her about, she, she was there with um, Kalashnikov rifle in her hand and was saying that, you know, if you three days previously had been telling me this would be the position I'm in right now, I wouldn't have believed you. And I think, you know, it's, it's impossible to answer the question unless it arrives at your door. And what an awful, awful conundrum to be in.
3: Yeah. In Alexander Usyk, I mean, we're talking about the two-weight world champion. We are talking about the heavyweight champion of the world here. It's like one of the more um, blue ribbon titles in world sport. The WBA, IBF, WBO heavyweight world champion beat Anthony Joshua last September. Really should be uh, training for a rematch against Joshua in May or June. So he has travelled back pound for pound, the second best boxer in the world right now. We have Vasil Lomachenko who just chatting with Ronan outside. Ronan Mullany was saying there's an argument this guy's the greatest fighter of all time. Like... Uh, he's a world champion in three weight classes as a pro and as an amateur 396 fights one defeat and the guy who had the cheek to beat him he went and beat him twice after so 396 fights and uh, one defeat gold at the 08 and 12 Olympics gold in the world championships 09-11 and is just unbelievable he by all accounts married with two children was out of the country uh, when Russia invaded and made his way back via Bucharest and Ukraine, and he's gone to his hometown in the southwest of the country, and he's taken up arms. And then the Klitschko's were very uh, familiar with, and we've seen them releasing videos. So uh, it's quite you know extraordinary. Four of the greatest boxers of all time, potentially or certainly, four of Ukraine's best, are are very much part of that movement. So that is happening. And then, Richie, we might start with your main story in the news round, because it's very significant. we had heard reports it was coming. The news round is brought to you by Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved Razors. uh, Big news in the world of football.
0: Yeah, FIFA and UEFA have suspended all Russian teams from their competitions effective immediately. The decision follows an IOC resolution to bar all athletes from Russia and Belarus from competing in international sport. It means Russia will not be able to play in next month's World Cup playoffs. They were due to play Poland. Spartak Moscow have been expelled from the Europa League with Orbi Leipzig through instead to the quarterfinals. A decision on Russia's involvement in this summer's Women's European Championships will be made at a later date. UEFA has also cancelled its sponsorship deal with the Russian energy firm Gazprom, worth north of €40 million a season. Schalke have also done the same today. Just last night, FIFA claimed Russia will be able to play at neutral venues but not under the Russian flag nor the Russian name. Earlier today the FAI said that no Republic of Ireland team will play Russia until further notice they're following in the footsteps of several national associations.
3: I'm sure you're watching that story develop all day, Rich. Thoughts?
0: Yeah, it's um, it, it basically shows what a weak decision last night FIFA had, had come to and there's obviously myriad reasons for that and the money is probably uh, chief among them. Um, but they were left with no other option today once the IOC of all people who've it will take a softly, softly approach to, to pretty much anything so as to not be viewed as political decided that all Russian athletes, all Belarusian athletes, because of their support of the invasion, should be booted out of international competition. So FIFA had no road left to travel on this. Poland had made it clear, even after last night's really weak announcement from FIFA about the neutral venues and neutral flags and all that nonsense, uh, that Poland would not be playing any hue of a Russian team. Similarly, the Czech Republic and Sweden, in the same path of that playoff draw, wouldn't be involved against any... Uh, Russian side and then you've got loads of federations be it Norway be it ourselves be it England um, sundry others who said that no matter what the level whether it's futsal women's football beach football whatever uh, under 19s under 18s they're not going to be playing Russia so FIFA have been left with no option here but it shows how week a week they've had They've, they were appalling in their response to all of this. And, and this is too little too late. For, as regards to UEFA, I mean, this is just following on essentially on, on what they've built already and you can't really blame them. They've done everything that's asked of them. They've cut ties with Gazprom. Uh, you would hope that this just carries through. Like this can't just be a situation where Russia withdraw their forces from Ukraine and suddenly it's everybody back in the pool. There needs to be some long lasting repercussions for this. Um, namely, keep, like, the, the neutral thing might have to stay. Obviously, they're looking in, and into the summer of Russia with a women's team competing in the Euros in England. Like, that can't happen, like, regardless of, of what happens in the next couple of weeks, especially if it's uh, if it turns out the positive side. There needs to be some long-lasting repercussions for this, and sporting repercussions are just the minor level of that.
3: It does seem, Adrian, FIFA have been shamed into action here and they were left with no option. I mean, initially, their counsel on the Russia-Poland match said neutral venue and it won't be against Russia it'll be against the Football Union of Russia you know akin to the Olympics having a you know let's call them Russia but not call them Russia kind of a situation and the Polish FA responded their president was very strong he said this is unacceptable we're not interested in the game of appearances and he called on the expulsion of Russia and said we are not playing against Russia and then the Swedes and the Czechs came in very strongly behind Poland with similar views. And of course, those four teams are linked in this World Cup playoff situation. Now, once that happened, and then the other FAs came in this morning, once that happened, FIFA had no option, because you can't have a World Cup without these other nations involved. And even FIFA couldn't take the side of Russia on that point of principle. So they've been utterly shamed into action laterally on this Monday and deserve next to no credit for it.
2: I totally agree with that. The most of the things that are happening now are are easy to do as well. Yeah, yeah, easy to do in a way that, like Robert Lewandowski coming out a couple of days, couple of days ago, not easy to do. Like uh, Daniel Medvedev, his tweet it didn't directly talk about the conflict, but you know, coming from a Russian asking for peace in the world, like, putting himself in an extraordinarily difficult position in terms of the toll that something like that might take on him or his family. Um, you know, the leadership about that stuff. Uh, what's happening at the minute, and I know uh, Richie's right, like, I mean, I think in terms of uh, the Gazprom bit, it takes a few days to unwind that commercial bit. I would understand to some degree why that's not something you can, well, it was blatantly obvious it had to happen. Yeah. It can take a couple of days to unwind something like that. But also, I would still say an easy decision because you, for, for, I mean, the, a myriad of reasons, clearly, but, you know, they would be getting huge pressure, I'm sure, commercially as well, from other brands involved in European football that they didn't want to be sitting aside, aside a brand like that. And ultimately, even if they were of a mind, and of course they weren't, to keep Gazprom involved financially, actually, at the end of the day, it wouldn't have made any sense. Um, but, I mean, I think that the question that's, from listening to what both of you have been saying, like, I mean, and just in terms of what does, like, leadership in world sport at the minute actually even looked like you know what I mean yeah. it's like they were, how badly served are we by these myriad of like um leaders in the vertical that we've had we talk about football and it's not certainly unique in that way mm. but I mean uh, um FIFA were sort of in a position where like Richie said they come out with this like really watery sort of comment about it Almost leaving it to the point where he gets to turn Infantino gets to turn around to his mate and go, listen, old pal, I did my best for you. I hung out as long as I can, mm. even for somebody as reasonable as me, you know, as opposed to showing a bit of leadership in like, I don't know, that, that, that whole bit for me is so, you'd be, you'd despair by it really.
3: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Jan. It does show how susceptible uh, football sport, I suppose, by extension, has been when it comes to money and sports washing. And people are tired of hearing these phrases. I understand that. But football does afford a certain soft power that is very attractive to a country like Russia. Like Russia 2018, this wonderful carnival and that does, whether we like it or not, that does compete in our memory bank with things like Georgia in 08 and Crimea in 14 and attempting to rig a US election and LGBTQ rights and whatever you care to mention. It just does and Russia recognises that and uh, FIFA, yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah, just, and you do reach a pinch point then when it turns out the bad dudes are going to do bad things. Your morality is compromised and for FIFA, Mm. for the IOC at times, it's badly compromised and none of us are surprised. Like we all understand what's happened here and how complicated Gianni Infantino's life has been over the last uh, week, but we don't have to respect it. We don't have to think it's a good state of affairs. Uh, Football, sport just follows the money, takes the money and then when bad things happen, it gets tricky. The only area I'd have some, uh, sympathy is probably not the right word, but just level of understanding with FIFA is, to be fair to them, Richie, for whatever reasons, they have had a long history of being very wary of adjudicating on politics and conflict. You know, so for instance, what's been thrown at them now is, well, hang on, okay, so Russia get banned. What's with the Saudi Arabians and Yemen? Why not that conflict? And I think FIFA have always been wary of trying to go down that line because when you get into the greyer areas, it does get very tricky. And I can, I can accept that to a point as well.
0: Yeah, but um, with that, you're talking about an organisation that last week took sanctions against a couple of really minor football associations for governmental involvement in their in their uh, in their day-to-day business. I think Zimbabwe was one of them. I'm open to correction on that, but there was definitely yeah. two Kenya uh, that wouldn't necessarily be Kenya. There you go. That wouldn't necessarily be world beaters, and yet they took immediate action against them at their uh, committee meeting because of that political involvement. Um, similarly you have others like I was following the Chris Hewton saga with Ghana recently uh, pretty closely and their government is directly involved or was directly involved in in, uh, appointing their management team so FIFA have a real we'll take this we won't take this they'll you know they'll get involved when they want to they won't get involved when it suits them and they have they, they, they've been really uh, weak on this. I keep coming back to that word, but it's true. Like when you look at Infantino's press conference when uh, Rob Harris put that question to him last week about would he be withdrawing the order of friendship from, from Vladimir Putin over his, uh, his involvement in, in the Russian invasion. And he gave another wishy-washy answer. And he says, oh, we like to stay out of political matters and all this. And yet, Infantino in particular, Is so keen to be pictured beside these political heavyweights and whatever their current state, whether you know they're a benign force in the world or whether they're someone like Putin, he is all too happy to go and fraternize with these people and they are political people. So you can't then turn around and say that you're not going to take action because one country is invading another. And like, you can even go back to like when was the last time Shakhtar Donetsk were able to play a champions league game in Donetsk? They've been based out of. Uh, Kiev and other Ukrainian cities for the last while because of a lack of will to get anything done from political forces, not just footballing forces, from political forces to get anything done to properly resolve uh, issues in Ukraine and Russian involvement in Ukraine. So FIFA have done the bare minimum. Yeah,
3: yeah. They've done
0: the absolute bare minimum and they've done it way too late. And deserve, as Adrian says, zero braves for this. It's just thankful that they finally made a call on it. So the likes of Poland, Czech Republic and Sweden can actually have a path forward from March onwards towards, Jesus, Qatar of all places in the the winter.
3: No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Look, when I asked that question, I was really like Mike Lowry passing the ball to James Lowe when I was on a hat trick. I was just just setting you up. I was just setting you up. Uh, Graham says, there's a part of me that's disappointed that FIFA caved. We needed a catalyst to break the game away from them. A mass withdrawal from the World Cup would be no harm. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for something similar. Like, I mean, it it was, it really did capture the uh, situation FIFA find themselves in when they were like, should we ban the corrupt government that took the last World Cup from competing at the next World Cup which is in Qatar which was also corruptly bought and has human rights abuses because they've invaded another country I mean even that sentence was glorious in its own way Lamachenko is pound for pound one of the best fighters there has ever been says Tony so that is the situation in FIFA and UEFA. There is football Joel, this evening. Yes, Adrian.
2: Can, can I just like one thing? Sorry, that struck me from this whole thing. That like Russia have spent, and and sorry, the the point about sports washing. I, is this the point where? as a sporting public, we've woken up now to this, that we're not going to accept this anymore. It will be interesting to see where we go from here on that bit. But the 20 years that Russia have spent building up that soft power base that you mentioned earlier on, the Gazprom stuff um, with Schalke and further beyond uh, the World Cup and and the many, many, many more sports bits that they've done over that last uh, 20 years and the, the money they've spent on it. And in five days, that's crumbled. It's totally gone. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's remarkable. It's incredible. And even if the invasion was to end tomorrow, um, it'll take years, decades to if they were to if they were to do that again. And I wonder. I just wonder about the appetite for. And look at maybe I'm overstating it here, but like the appetite for a sports public from this point forth to accept all this stuff and just sort of put her fingers in her ears and go, "Ah, oh, look at it's fine." You know, we're growing the game of golf in Saudi Arabia. I wonder. I hope you 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 uh on the body of evidence it's it's not going no, to happen obviously wouldn't but think so. I wouldn't um think so. i it, it is incredible just that investment of two decades of time and a lot of money to crumble that entire whatever that was about like i mean I, you know that wasn't a huge consideration of putin i'm sure when he's invading ukraine but it's incredible that that has just crumbled now in 5 days mm.
0: there is football at home this evening yeah, there is a full programme of matches in the SSE or Tristley Premier Division. Shamrock Rovers aiming to recover from Friday's defeat to Derry as they host Drogheda United. tonight. Elsewhere, Derry themselves entertains Sligo Rovers in the Northwest Derby. There's a repeat of the FAI Cup final as Bohemians play St. Pat's at Dalymount. Dundalk face Finn Harps and Damien Duff takes his Shelburne side to UCD. OK, we'll keep you updated across the evening. Uh, Zach Johnson, you're up. Yeah, Zach Johnson says the U.S. Ryder Cup captaincy is the greatest honour of his career. He'll lead their defence of the famous trophy in Rome next year. Johnson was a vice-captain under Steve Stricker at Whistling Straits last year, and they'll swap roles in Italy. Johnson was also asked today how much of a say he'll have in the final team selection.
3: We're going to kind of keep it the way it has been, well, the way it was in 2020. Um, We liked the system. The PGA uh, Ryder Cup committee really liked the system of six earned Births and then obviously six picks. So uh, that's where we're going to stay. We don't feel like we need to change it. Um, and I say that it was the Ryder Cup committee of three of my peers and, and Jim and his, and his peers. So uh, that equation worked, and I don't see any reason to uh, change it. Adrian, buckle up for the Zach Johnson Media Tour over the next two years.
2: <laughs> is he, what sort of personality is he, Joe? I've seen him over the years, not really ever stood out as somebody that was that. I think he's... I mean, I don't want to use the word interesting, but in that space...
3: No, he wouldn't, wouldn't be interesting. I think he's a smart enough guy, and I, you know his press conferences generally were pretty good. I was there at St. Andrews. Like, he's one of the more underappreciated golfers when you think his two majors came at Augusta and the Open at uh, St. Andrews. You know, they're kind of two iconic places to win. Very religious man, uh, devout Christian, so that'd be a big part of his thing. Uh, kind of self-deprecating, but... Uh, that'd be the main takeaway from the last 20 years of listening to him. So, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go with my my take there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that'd
3: kind of be it, really. So, uh, Zach Johnson. Uh, meanwhile, Shane Lowry, I thought, well, looked for a long time like he was going to win last night in Florida, but he didn't, Richie
0: yeah the weather had a say in that it has to be said Shane Larry says he felt the Honda Classic was stolen from him to a degree last night needing a birdie at the last to force a playoff the heavens opened at Palm Beach and Larry parred the 18th and had to console himself with the runners up spot and a cheque for $872,000 God love him Austrian Sepp at won instead and Larry had no choice but to accept his finish
1: Fastest game unfortunately um, I played the golf good. I played good enough golf I feel to win the tournament um you know he's gone 300 for the last five on this course and then that bad weather came in just as we were hitting our tee shot in 18 which was as bad as break as i've got in a while so um yeah it's a tough one to take i'll you know it is i there is obviously a lot of positives to take from the whole event um you know i probably played some of the best golf my whole career this week i feel around a very tough golf course and you know i'll take that into I'll take that into um, the players, and hopefully, I can have a good week there. Now, I
3: kid you not, listeners. A uh, couple of weeks back, I was uh, talking rugby with Adrian Barry. You know, he's my oracle. I go to him and just see any trends in the game I should be aware of. And he said, "Listen, hasn't been talked about much. I just feel World Rugby Law three paragraphs thirteen <laughs> to twenty. I just, I feel there's something there which could come a cropper.
0: Just keep an eye out. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and lo and behold, Richie." Yeah, the Leinster season ticket holder was right Ireland benefited from a world rugby law <laughs> that saw Italy unable to contest scrums for the majority of yesterday's Six Nations game debutant Michael Larry ran in a pair of tries in a 57 points to 6 bonus point win at the Aviva Ireland's Hammy Faiva was sent off for a challenge on Dan Sheehan with the hooker having been a late replacement for Marco Lucchese the rule which saw Italy reduce to 13 men for the guts of the match was discussed on this morning's OTB AM with Alan Quinlan
1: when the law was brought in it was down to props getting or hookers getting injured or faking injury. Um, and it goes on uncontested scrum. And look, if 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 a team ended up with uncontested scrums, the probability is, this doesn't happen till maybe the sixtieth or seventieth minutes. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. guys are getting injured. That's that's probably the reality. So if you were to play the last ten or fifteen minutes with fourteen men, you're not really gonna be going crazy over that if the law was adopted in, in, in for the reason it's brought in. But because it happened so early yesterday and because it's the red card, um, yeah. and again, probably debate around the red card a little bit. Um, I, I, I'm probably fairly close to zero tolerance on the high hits. Um, but part of me just felt sorry for Faile yesterday. But your letter to law situation again, it was a red card. Um, some argue that maybe he was a little bit harsh I think if he gave a yellow for that yesterday it was one of those ones where if the referee gives a yellow we're, Ireland are not going to be up in arms after the game over it um, but it just made it a whole farcical situation
3: Rumours abound Adrian that you were so upset you, you flipped the cheese board over and stormed out of the room
2: <laughs> things, things got that desperate Oh, that's awful. That is that is shocking. I'd um, Finny Perth the other week on OTBM giving me giving me guff about uh, about the cheese boards. It's it, this is getting out of hand. For any new um, listeners,
3: Adrian Barry uh, does not watch any rugby matches without a cheese board. <laughs> no, sorry, select, Le, Leinster, matches. Leinster, it, Leinster matches. Leinster no, matches and you know, Ireland. You know,
2: it's, you know it's a big game. If I have the cheeseboard out, Joe, and I had no cheeseboard yesterday, and I, how <laughs> thankful was I that I hadn't? <laughs> what a disaster! I can't remember a Six Nations game where they have the life drained out of it so quickly and yeah. um, like look at all the, the the Italian captain obviously hadn't a clue himself he was he was like the rest of us going mm. what? We, what? this doesn't make any sense and it just didn't it was mad but I will say that at least it made the uh, switching over to the cup final easy Sorry, Geoff, but it did.
3: No, that's fair enough. Because I, I initially, even just watching the studio, there was some confusion, as you might imagine, because I don't remember seeing yeah. something like this before. And we were looking at this referee who's in his 20s, he's a very young referee, and he's uh, Georgian, his first ever Six Nations game. You're not anticipating this kind of a scenario, I'm sure. I'm sure his head was spinning mm. when the players were saying to him, no, you've got this wrong, you know, we'll just make a change. And I think even Peter O'Manni wasn't quite sure what the rationale was, either. So, I, I was almost happy for him. He was proven correct. But then they'll have to do something about the law. Maybe some kind of clo- ah. clause of some kind. I don't know what.
2: In, in for the right reasons, but just the wrong outcome. And definitely, yeah. whenever the end of season sort of referee awards are ongoing, and they get sort of stinker of the uh, stinker of the year decision to have to make award. Um, he definitely gets. It. I didn't realise he was that young. Actually, that's that's good. I presume, in the studio you were. Was that was there? I mean, you want to be portraying any confidence here, but was there somebody in the room who was like, "No, no, hang on a second, lads, I got, I got this one." No. Right. Sure, like
3: the blank faces it's all so round. Obscure. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Too busy sipping the coffee and eating the chocolate. <laughs> eating uh, cheese boards. No, they were. Uh, there was a degree of yeah, yeah, that rings a bell, but like not confident enough to go on national television yeah. and explain like. I'll be honest I'm I'm reasonably happy that it happened in the 19th minute Definitely. and not the 39th minute because it could have been an interesting half-time uh, discussion. No, I just think it's 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 uh, so unusual for it to happen so we weren't entirely sure. Now, GAA Richie.
0: Uh before that Joe breaking news. Uh, it was prone to happen on the show Uh, Jesse Marsh has been confirmed as the new head coach of Leeds United Uh, he signed a contract through to the summer of 2025 Leeds say this evening and he of course replaces Marcelo Bielsa who was sacked in the wake of Saturday's 4-0 defeat to uh, Tottenham so Jesse Marsh will be in the dugout for Saturday's game with Leicester
3: Hard to think Adrian of a sack manager getting so much love from all the Mm. fans I I just just guess you can't keep being whacked 5-0 every week
2: no, and how many fans have you seen over the last 24 hours saying, like, I'd rather have gone down with Bielsa and sort of fancier chances to mm. give it another go? He was so loved and like such an unusual, enigmatic character. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, like the for, for all of us neutrals, it's the Premier League is uh, the worst without him today, you know.
0: Mm. So GA, Rich yeah a lot of refixtures going on GA confirming refixture details for those Allianz Football League games postponed due to inclement weather on the weekend before last the two division three matches Westmead and Longford and for Manor versus Leash will take place this coming Saturday Galway's Division 2 meeting with Offaly in Salt Hill is penciled in then for Sunday and the Division 4 clashes involving Sligo and Cavan as well as Wexford's encounter with Tipperary have also been rescheduled to Sunday and meanwhile Dublin search for a first win in this year's Allianz Football League continues they remain rooted to the bottom of the Division 1 table following a one-twelve 12 to 12 point defeat to Kildare yesterday in Newbridge elsewhere Kerry continued their good form with a three-fourteen to 1-12 win over Monaghan that in Inishkeen and at Doctor Hyde Park Finn strongly to beat Armagh 15 points to 110. Uh, Limerick also struggling this year. They remain without a win in this year's Allianz League with the All-Ireland Champions suffering a third straight defeat in Division 1A this time losing by 219 to 113 against Cork. Henry Shefflin's Galway slumped to a first defeat of the campaign as they lost to Wexford while Clare beat Offaly 420 to 16 points. Waterford in Division 1B, they beat Antrim 321 to 222. That was at Corrigan Park while Kilkenny were 228 to 17 point winners over Leash. And Mayo secured their second successive win in Division 1A of the Little Ladies National Football League Michael Moyleside side beating Neighbours Galway 6-6 to 2-8 yesterday
3: very good Richie McCormick thanks for that appreciate it nice one and Adrian Barry thanks Adrian
1: thanks lads